Hello, and welcome back to the College Baseball Central podcast. I'm your host, Joe Healy, publisher and editor of collegebaseballcentral.com. Today, we're going to be joined by a guest that I've wanted to have on the podcast for quite a while. It's the artist Robert Hurst. Uh, The connection there is that uh, Robert is the official portrait artist of the College Baseball Hall of Fame. So if it's a Hall of Famer who's gotten in since the first class was inducted in 2006, Robert has done that person's portrait. So we're going to talk to him a little bit about, first of all, his journey in the world of art, how he became interested in art and how he parlayed that interest and that passion into a career in art. We'll also, of course, talk about his relationship with the College Baseball Hall of Fame, how that came to be, and We'll talk to him a little bit about the process, what it's like when you know a person is is uh, announced as a member of an upcoming Hall of Fame class, and, and what that process is like from start to finish for him, and, and what type of feedback he gets uh, on his portraits once they are completed and he has the opportunity to meet some of these subjects. So a lot of interesting discussion to get to with Robert. Let's jump right in. All right, as promised, we are joined by artist Robert Hurst. Uh, we're going to talk about something we've never talked about on the College Baseball Central podcast, and that's uh, the world of art. Uh, the tie-in here is that Robert does the portraits for the College Baseball Hall of Fame. I've actually been a big fan of his work with college baseball for a long time now. He's, he's been a guy I've, I've wanted to have on the podcast for quite some time. I just think there's a lot of interesting topics to touch on. You know, We'll, we'll talk about Robert's journey in, in the world of art and how he that career path came to be. We'll obviously talk specifics about his work with the College Baseball Hall of Fame, kind of how that relationship was built. Uh, in the process of putting together those portraits. So a lot of really interesting stuff to get into. Uh, let's jump right in. Robert, I appreciate you joining us today. Uh, well, howdy from Texas. As a, a native Texan myself, it's always nice to have uh, somebody from the Lone Star State on the other side. So uh, absolutely happy to have you. Um, let's, I, I'm, kind of, I'm always interested in an origin story. So I kind of want to start from the beginning before we get into the college baseball side of things. Um, how did your kind of career path in, in art come to be? And I kind of want to go back to the beginning. I mean, obviously with something like art, at some point you have to have that interest maybe as a young person. And then beyond that, not only do you have to have an interest, you have to find out somehow that you have a knack for it. Um, so I'm kind of curious if you could take us through that path, kind of lear- finding your way in art and then how you turn that, what I presume was a, a hobby and a passion into a career of sorts. Well, yeah, I started really young. Um, I, I remember drawing deer, jumping over logs, pronghorn antelope, Indians, uh, musicians. I remember doing Jimi Hendrix when I was just a little kid. Um, athletes. It, it just uh, I, what I really started doing was taking little portraits of my friends, uh, their the photographs from school, you know, first, second, third grade. And uh, I would draw them and make them bigger so I could see what my friends look like because I was actually legally blind until fifth grade. I hadn't had correct vision. I didn't have glasses. I didn't have contacts. I didn't have anything until I moved from a private school to a public school. And the um, uh, world changed, obviously, then. But what I did is I just took little photographs of my friends and drew them so I knew what my friends looked like because I didn't know. Hmm. I could be sitting next to you and, and not not know who you were. So um, I, I would copy photographs from books, uh, a lot of animals, and like I said, by, by, by friends. And uh, then uh, we moved up to North Houston, went to Klein, and that was the first time I was diagnosed um, with my eyes. And so I got contacts. Well, actually, I got glasses first, and they were uh, quite thick. Um, <laughs> and finally, finally got glasses or uh, contacts I think my senior year in high school, and then 20 years ago, I had corrective surgery. So 
I see pretty much as well as any uh, 59-year-old man can now. <laughs> but um, uh, my interests were always there. You know, I, I tried to play baseball and football and all that kind of stuff. And, of course, my eyesight limited um, what I could do, which wasn't much except ride the bench. Um, so as far as participating in sports, I didn't do a whole lot of that until I think I was around 11 years old or so. And then I got into martial arts. I started taking judo. Um, and then, uh, I played a little junior high football, um, started to get into baseball and that kind of stuff. I raced motocross for several years. Um, just was kind of always an individual, you know, not a whole lot into team sports, but more into uh, individualistic type sports, uh, got real competitive in some of the sports that I did. And as I was doing those, that's what I started drawing. Um, you know, big motocross heroes like Roger DeCoster back in the 60s and 70s. Um, and the guys who came up uh, with USA, Marty Smith, Marty Tripes, uh, Steve Stackable, those kind of guys um, with motocross. And then uh, I started painting baseball figures, um, I guess, in high school. Um, and I just... Sports always interested me as, as a subject matter, but you know, I never, in my wildest dreams, ever thought of it as a profession. Um, I, I painted people, I drew people. Mm-hmm. Went to the art institute, went to the art institute of Houston. Well, in, in high school, me and uh, uh, a guy named Shelton Miles, he and I were considered the artists of our high school. But Shelton uh, participated a lot more on the high school level. Uh, I was always working because I wanted to buy a motorcycle and I had to get a job. So, um, uh, but I, I, I had the keys. I literally had the keys to the art room my senior year. Um, and so I spent a lot of time in the art room there, uh, drawing and painting, doing a lot of scratch board. And then I went to Stephen F. Austin University to study medical illustration. My father was, and um, he sold medical books for J.B. Lippincott. And so uh, I would take a lot of his books, pathology books, and draw uh, from the photographs that I would see in there. I would do diaphanous illustrations of the human anatomy, Uh, you know, those illustrations where you see the blood vessels all the way down to the skeletal system and that type of thing. So I really learned uh, human musculature. Um, I I didn't do real well at uh, Stephen F. Austin because it was uh, three girls to every guy, and my, my interests... Uh, waned on education. <laughs> uh, I, I have to admit, I learned a lot, but not much book, book learning. Um, and then from there, um, I got a job uh, at a restaurant in Austin called Aaron Houston called Bobby McGee's, uh, where we got to wear costumes and acted silly. And I was surrounded by a lot of other creative type people. And so I started doing more and more drawing and more and more painting. And I, I used a lot of the people that I worked with as my models. Um, and then I started doing a little show, actually a pretty big show in Houston called the Westheimer Calling Arts Festival. Uh, it's become something different now. I don't know what it's called, Bayou City, um, or the Bayou Festival something. But I haven't done it in many years. But uh, that was the first time I really started doing shows. And... Um, uh, then I moved to Austin in 1985, and I started doing the Pecan Street Festival, where I got noticed by a guy who was a, a UT alumni, and he commissioned me to do a painting of Earl Campbell. 
Mm-hmm. And Earl was a childhood hero. I mean, I was a Houston Oiler. Uh, my painting signature was Columbia Blue. Um, I, I was at both the pep rallies after we lost to Pittsburgh. Um, I dated a Derek Dahl. I mean, I bled Columbia Blue. Mm. And so when, when he commissioned this painting, um, I contacted the University of Texas where Earl was working at the time. I showed him the painting. And he loved it. He asked me to do one for him. And that led to a second and a third and a fourth. And um, uh, when we were talking about the fourth painting, I said, hey, what about uh, I print one of these paintings I did for you? You sign them. Uh, I sign them and print and number them. And I go out and sell them. And we split it 50-50. And he thought that was a pretty good idea. So we wrote up a little contract. And I started doing sports memorabilia shows. And uh sold his prints very well. And I, I stayed with the contract. I paid him 50%. If I sold it for wholesale, he got 50%. If I sold it for retail, he got 50%. And after a year, he called me into his office and told me to bring my contract. And uh, I thought it, I thought he was mad at me. He didn't sound real happy. Uh, so I, I went into his office and he said, Robert, I, I feel that you've been 100% honest with me. He says, uh, I'm going to tear this contract up. Uh, and the rest of the money is yours. You get 100% of it. And that was kind of my nest egg. I, I put all the money I got from the sales of those prints from then on back into the business and started doing bigger shows like the uh, baseball all-star games and the Super Bowls and the sports, uh, the National Sports Card Collectors Conventions, wherever it happened to be in the country. So I did a lot of shows all over the country over the span of about five years. And then I started getting noticed by um, uh, art galleries that began to open up in ballparks. Uh, the very first one was with the Texas Rangers uh, when they opened up the ballpark in 1994. Uh, I was one of their first artists there. And then uh, when they opened up the new ballpark with the Houston Astros, Minute Maid Park in Ron Field at the time, um, I was one of their first artists there. Then I got with the Baltimore Orioles, the Pittsburgh Pirates, Atlanta Falcons. Uh, out in San Francisco. Um, as far as I know, I was in pretty much every sports art gallery in the country. Hmm. Um, and then uh, they all kind of went belly up at the same time. So uh, I don't even know if there's any galleries within uh, ballparks anymore. But um, it, it got me noticed. And um, uh, I, on my way back and forth from the ballpark in Arlington uh, to my home in Austin, I kept driving through Waco. And um, I'd see this sign for the Texas Sports Hall of Fame, which I had always thought was in Dallas, but uh, they had just moved to Waco. And so um, it it seemed like it was always closed every time I went by. So I stayed overnight after a ball game one night and I went into the Hall of Fame with my portfolio. And uh, I asked if they had ever done artwork of their inductees. And they told me they had tried one year, but it didn't go over real well. And I said, well, let's give it another shot. I said, I have an idea that I think might work out. And they said, well, how much is it going to cost us? And I said, "Um, well, I'll pay for everything up front. Um, You know, whatever the proceeds are, you know, we're we're just going to split the proceeds 50-50. said, but no cost out of your pocket. They said, well, we can't lose. Let's give it a whirl. Well, that that was 23 years ago. I am still the official artist to the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. And that led to me becoming the artist for the National College Baseball Hall of Fame, Hmm. uh, because one of the uh, members, uh, one of the board of directors or member of the board, uh, Tom Stanton, 
was also on the board for the newly found um, founded College Baseball Hall of Fame. And he brought me up. He brought up what I had been doing with the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. And that's how it started. I'm curious about the you, you got into how you you got into the College Baseball Hall of Fame and started doing the portraits there. So I'm curious kind of about that, the, the process on the individual level. So, you know, an inductee gets inducted or the names get released on who's going to be inducted to the College Baseball Hall of Fame. From your standpoint, what begins that process? Is it, you know, the selection of kind of a, a picture you're going to base the portrait on? How much input does the inductee have? I, I'm really kind of fascinated by what I imagine the process is of starting with a name and turning that into a portrait that, that we see hanging in a hall of fame. Um, with the Texas sports hall of fame, they usually will give me a phone number or a contact info for the inductee. And so I can talk to them and find out a little bit more about what they want. Uh, they're getting more and more specialized every year as I do them because they say, Oh, you know, we see this one that you did a so-and-so we really like that. Uh, can you do that? Um, I, I've never really talked to any of the College Baseball Hall of Fame inductees before their induction. So generally what I do is uh, I just go on the Internet. I start looking around. Um, I'll often contact the university that they went to um, and uh, hit their media department and find photographs um, that uh, I, I usually try to use something that hasn't been overly published. Uh, oftentimes I'll change the uniform, you know, from a home or from an away team to a home team. Uh, I'll change the backgrounds. I'll, I'll come in and I'll, I'll zoom in on a, on an image. Uh, but, um, at this point, the inductees really haven't had a whole lot of uh, input, um, outside of one, Augie Garrido, uh, when he was inducted two, three years ago. Um, I'd already done one of him uh, when he was inducted into the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. And so this was the second portrait I was going to do of him. And, uh, you know, I, I live here in Austin. So I, I, Augie is all over the news all the time. Um, all the coaches are. And, you know, I knew what he looked like. And I, I could draw him blindfolded. Um, you know, his his face is just, you know, really in, in my head. And. So anyway, uh, I had done his portrait for the uh, College Baseball Hall of Fame, and after the induction and everything, um, I got talking to him, and uh, I told him, I said, you know, I, I'm not happy with what I did for you. I said, I wasn't happy with the one I did for the Tech Sports Hall of Fame. I'm not happy with the College Baseball Hall of Fame portrait. And I told him, you know, I could paint you blindfolded. I said, but something's missing. I just don't, I'm not able to capture what it is I, I want to put out there. And his wife, Jeannie, was sitting with us, and she goes, well, we have this really neat picture a friend of ours took. Uh, why don't you look at this? And she showed me the picture. I said, that's it. That's a great shot. That's what I'm looking for. And the only thing I had to change in that was the elevation of his arm. He's pointing, and in the picture, you know, it covers up some of the face. so I just lowered his arm a little bit. And um, Augie and Jeannie both loved that one a lot more, Bill, Bill Little. Uh, who was with us. Um, I, mean, I got to hang out with Augie Garrido for three hours, you know, the Zen master. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, we didn't talk at all about baseball. We talked about art and food and travel uh, and, and, and just about everything else, philosophy. Um, you know, that three hours of sitting with, you know, Augie Garrido was literally life-changing. 
Um, I've changed some of the things I've done in my life after talking with him. Um, but, you know, I, I try to capture um, the essence of who the player is. Lou Brock was one of my favorites. Um, I found a great photograph of him uh, at Southern sliding into base. Actually, it was a photograph of him in the pros. Um, mm. And I said, I got to make this for Southern. Yeah, that's one of, my, one of my favorites. I, as I scroll through it, that's one of my absolute, I always end up looking at that one. because That's one of, my, one of my favorite ones you have of, uh, in college baseball. Yeah, I, I don't do as many action shots as I'd really like to do. Because uh, honestly, there just aren't that many photographs of a lot of these older guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, Dick, another one of my favorites, you know, it's just a posed picture uh, and it's hard finding anything. Um, uh, Lou Gehrig, um, you know, there's one picture of him at Columbia. <laughs> you know, <laughs> everybody's seen it. So, hey, you know, try to create something different. Um, but uh, Lou Brock was a lot of fun at, after the induction. Um, he didn't sign many of my prints because everybody wanted his attention. All the players, all the, all the other inductees, all the newspapers all wanted to talk to Lou. And so, um, I called up to his room after he and his wife had gone up there to settle in. And, uh, I was just asking him if there was a good time I could talk to him and, you know, get him to sign the prints for the, the hall of fame. He goes, yeah, come on up. So I go up to his room and it's he and his wife and they're, they're sitting there in their bathrobes and they had just ordered uh, room service. And uh, we talk, I don't know, two hours. Uh, and, you know, room service comes. I'm like, well, hey, I'm going to leave. I'm going to let you guys eat. He goes, oh, no, I'm talking. He goes, I don't, I don't have to eat now. Yeah. <laughs> just just a, a wonderful person. And his wife was just as grac- gracious as she could be. Um, just uh, another one of my favorite moments. My two by far are with Lou Brock and uh, Augie Garrido. Uh, Jim Abbott was really neat. He came to the hotel room, talked with us for a while. My my wife uh, is from Michigan, so oh, um, yeah. a U of M alumni was kind of fun. And uh, I guess this year was his 25th anniversary of uh, pitching a no-hitter with the New York Yankees. Yeah, wow, yeah. But... Um, I, I often I get to know the, I get to meet them you know after the paintings are done and that type of stuff so um, I don't get to talk to them as much as I'd like to but you know they have everybody has lives and um, you know, I'm just doing the paintings for them. Sure. What, what kind of you alluded to a couple of them? Uh, but I'm, I'm curious what kind of feedback you typically get. You, you know you might have a little time to interact with these guys as they're inducted in the immediate aftermath. I, I'm curious what those conversations are. Are like and the type of feedback you get from from the subjects. <laughs> well, generally the inductees are really nice. Uh, you know, they're honored to have something done. You know, they they are presented with a piece, uh, the image uh, framed with a plaque uh, for their induction. I've seen a lot of them. They've sent me pictures uh, of where they've hung it and them standing next to it in their office or or wherever. So uh, a lot of them have been really really pretty cool about that type of thing. It's interesting because when I'll, I'll have my little table set up at the induction selling prints of the inductees, uh, and, you know, it's, it's a fundraiser for the Hall of Fame, but sometimes I'll stand outside of the table. And I don't do this for this reason, but it's kind of fun. You get to eavesdrop on people as they walk by. Mm. And so you'll hear family members comment um, on a you know, particular piece of art and, you know, their family member that's being inducted. And uh, that's where you hear the truth. 
<laughs> and uh, uh, I think there's uh, apparently been a couple I've missed on you. <laughs> just judging by the response from family members. I guess uh, whether um, whether in baseball or in art, you it's it's impossible to bat a thousand. I suppose. I guess is the attitude you have to oh, have there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know, some of them uh, I've completely disagreed with. You know? Yeah. I'm like, well, you know, this person isn't 19 years old anymore. You know, they're, they they change. They this is what he looked like then. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it's never worth getting into a debate over somebody. Um, or something like this, because, you know, it's an, it's emotional. Um, you know, they remember him a certain way and I'm look, I'm seeing him in another different way. Yeah. I'm curious if we back it up you know, a little bit. From, oh, go ahead. Um, it, it's just always interesting, you know, when you know of a person like I did Augie Garrido or a Lou Brock, um, you know, I've known, I know a lot about their career. Um, and, you know, you see them on TV all the time. I, I've probably met Augie 20, 30 times before the induction, uh, but it was the first time I really got to talk to him. And, um, uh, you know, that that actually has a lot to do with how I will prepare to do a painting or um, an induction piece because, you know, there again, it's that emotional part of me that's going into the piece for them. Um, you know, you, you kind of work a little harder to make, make them happy. Yeah. Uh, the, one final question kind of on the art side of it, because, uh, you know, then we'll, we'll wrap up for those listening. We will wrap up with our food recommendation segment, which I'm really excited about Austin being the, the food town that it is. But, uh, my last question on the art side is, is where your passions lie. I mean, you're a guy who does, uh, it's obviously not just sports art, it's, it's music art, some just incredible uh, paintings there of musicians. You've got Western art, you know, things in nature, uh, and all the different sports beyond baseball. So I'm curious where your passions lie. And if you were to sit down and somebody were to give you an opportunity, here's a canvas. You can you can paint whatever you'd like. Uh, you know, here's the, here's the time to do so. And and you you really could do whatever you'd want. What do you what do you think you get the most enjoyment out of um, as far as uh, you know uh, completing these works of art? Well, the fun thing is, is I'm established enough to where I actually get to do what I want to do. Yeah. Um, it's um, my wife and I have been talking about doing a collage piece uh, about Houston, uh, the city of Houston, it's the history, because uh, it's where I was born. And um, I got a lot of love for the city, although I was ready to get out of town. Austin is, is much more uh, built for me. And I did a piece of Austin two years ago uh, called Austin Tex Mecca. And it's got all kinds of fun little things about Austin in it. Um, you know, it's got Barton Springs. It's got some restaurants. It's got some um, uh, history. It's got new history. Uh, it's got some of the clubs that are downtown, uh, some of the musicians, some of the parties that they have here. And it's just all about Austin. And I want to do something like that for Houston. Uh, but that's going to be a piece that's going to take me a really, really long time. Um, I'm working on a piece and I'm, I'm not doing it for anybody other than me. And it's the entire history of the Houston Astros hmm. uh, with them winning the world series last year. You know, I waited 56 years sure, for yeah. you know, my team to win the world series. And I was actually really excited about the team two years ago. Uh, I love the core of the team, you know, uh, Korea and, um, uh, yeah, thank you, and Springer and, and yep. everybody. And I just love the core of the team. So I started a piece way back in June of last year um, of, of the, the team. And 
as the year progressed, you know, we had the flooding in Houston, uh, got the patch, the Houston strong patch, and then we signed Justin Verlander. And I'm thinking, holy cow, we are serious about making a run for the World Series. And so I put the painting aside. It was probably 90% complete, but I put it aside for a while uh, until the season progressed, until we got into the playoffs. And then I started incorporating some of that stuff. I finished that painting, the World Series painting of the Houston Astros. I think they won it on November 1st. Uh, I put my last brush stroke on it November 2nd. <laughs> I was I was ready. I was excited. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, as far as kind of general uh, what I like to paint, I love to paint people. Um, and I love to paint uh, animals. Same stuff I did when I was just a little kid. Uh, it's exactly the same thing I'm doing now. Um, the sports, you know, has kind of become more of a business for me uh, with the Tech Sports Hall of Fame, the College Baseball Hall of Fame. So those are my two major gigs. Um, you know, I do their artwork, and then I, I, I attend two or three uh, sports collectors conventions. Um, and outside of that, I do two or three art shows a year, and that's all I do anymore. Um, I paint probably six to eight hours every day because uh, it really is. It's what I love to do. I, I, I can't even think of doing anything else. Um, but um, I, I really am. I'm doing exactly what I want to do. I, I'm painting exactly what I want to paint. I heard about a new musician. Uh, I had never heard of her before named Jackie Vinson. And um, a person turned me on to her just like three or four days ago, and I started watching videos of her and stuff. She lives here in Austin. Hmm. And um, uh, just entranced, uh, incredible musician. And I'm going to see her on, I think, uh, Tuesday of next week. And so I started doing some research, found some photographs of her. I'm not doing it for other any other reason than I think she's kind of cool, and um, uh, I'm looking forward to meeting her. Uh, same thing uh, with another musician named Samantha Fish, um, uh, just a rock goddess. Uh, I mean, tears that guitar up. But, um, um, yeah, I mean, I, I paint all the athletes that I want. I paint all the musicians that I want. I paint all the critters I want. I'm, I can't be more fortunate if I planned it. Um, it's just all worked out pretty well. Yeah. I certainly can't beat, uh, doing what you love and doing what you're, you're passionate about. It's, it's finding that sweet spot where it's, you're, you're doing it because you can't imagine doing anything else and you're doing it because, you know, you have to do it. There's a, you know, a compulsion inside you that makes you do it. Um, because that's just what you love. Um, yeah, it's certainly the, the sweet spot there. I, 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 wonder, I yep, go ahead. Yeah. I, th I think I think it's like any any career, you know. Uh, if it's not exactly what you want, make it. Yeah. Uh, you know, all these people going into liberal arts. I saw a really good PBS program on this the other day about uh, liberal arts. You know, you don't know that you're going to be the model for a robot to teach a robot how to move, uh, except for a liberal arts major, a dancer is that's her entire job. Um, you know, it, it, you you just never know where life is going to take you. You get your education, and uh, wherever that takes you, you, you make it up. And that's what my wife and I have done so well, I think, is we created this. Um, and a lot of it was accidental. A lot of it was planned. But um, it's been pretty awesome. So I want to uh, wrap up with uh, the way I do all of these interview podcasts I do, and that's with food recommendations, my, my favorite segment here. And I'm excited to hear this one, given that Austin is a, you know, I'm not just blowing smoke there. Austin is a, is a great 
Food City, and I, I, I have a feeling you'll have some, some great recommendations for us, so I'll give you the introduction I do with all of my guests, and that's that uh, we're not going to worry about logistics, so don't worry if it's the type of place where you know it's hard to get a table, or it's one of those places where they have wonky hours, or you have to get there before they run out of meat, one of those type of barbecue joints, so don't worry about any of that, uh, just focus on the food. Um, should someone be in Austin, the, or the Austin area, you doesn't have to be Austin proper, I suppose, um, where would you recommend someone get a bite to eat? Well, my wife and I live in South Austin, and we have two places that we really like a lot. Um, we're international travelers, and so uh, uh, I'm I'm particularly an adventurous eater. Uh, I'll try anything. I'm going to India in uh, January for the entire month, and uh, you know, just try to hold me back from tasting a little bit of everything while I'm over there. <laughs> but um, there's, there's a place here in town called um, uh, Cafe Malta. And it's just in a little um, shopping center, uh, but they specialize in Mediterranean and Adriatic food. And every, I think, first Tuesday of the month, they have what they call uh, the Tour de Forks. And they will hone in on one country, you know, whether it's uh, Slovenia or Italy or uh, Croatia, Bosnia. Uh, but the food that they serve that day is from that country. Mm. Um, and, uh, it's not expensive at all. I mean, uh, I think for two people, it's, you know, like 30 bucks each, um, very reasonable. Uh, you got to make reservations to get out on the tour de forks, mm -hmm. but outside of that, um, uh, it's a, you know, it's a small little restaurant, but boy, they, they make some great food. Um, another place, um, right across the street from us is a, a little, um, Cuban, uh, restaurant. Now, when they first opened up, it was called Guantanamera. But I guess a lot of people had a hard time remembering that or pronouncing it, so they they called it Cuba Five One Two for the Austin area code. Yeah, and uh, yeah. they have three or four dishes there that when you know when I tell Pam I'm Cuban, she knows what I'm getting. Um, um, there's a, a barbecue place um, I haven't been to yet, but I was actually sitting with a barbecue connoisseur. Uh, he has a podcast um, here in Texas about nothing but about barbecue. And so I said, hey, what's the best barbecue in the state of Texas? And uh, he was telling me about this place called uh, The Slab. He says they don't really offer ribs or, you know, large hunks of meat or anything like that. Uh, it's more about sandwiches and that type of stuff. Uh, but uh, he says it's the best he's ever had. And so I just, this was just a couple of weeks ago um, that I was talking to him about it. So I haven't had a chance to go by there. Uh, Black's barbecue, Franklin's barbecue, obviously. Um, Lambert's. Um, Austin really, they, whatever it is you like, you know, Thai food, Mexican food, uh, Italian, it just, we have it all. Um, it's, you know, it, it's just, a, it's a culture shock. You can, uh, go almost any part of town and you can find any kind of food uh, from any part of the world that you're looking for. And uh, it's, a, it's another one of the things I think that does keep me here. Yeah, I, I love those recommendations because it's a couple of recommendations there too to kind of get out of your comfort zone a little bit. So I, I really like those. Uh, Robert, to wrap up, why don't you give the listeners um, an idea of where they can find your work, where they can get a taste of your work, where they can purchase your work and uh, how to connect with you? Uh, well, the best place to find me is my website, and um, it's a damn fine artist. 
A-D-A-M-N-F-I-N-E-A-R-T-I-S-T.com. I came up with that. Actually, I was at the ballpark in Arlington, and a guy was watching me paint. And uh, I asked him if there was anything I could help him with, and he just says, no. He says, I'm just watching you. Says, Man, you're a damn fun artist. And I, just, <laughs> I loved the way it sounded. And I said, I am now. <laughs> so um, anyway, uh, I bought the domain name, and so damnfineartist.com. Uh, I've got all the the College Baseball Hall of Fame prints on there. Um, you can look up the critters, the music, the sports, everything that I have there. I never put originals up uh, because they kind of come fast and furious. But uh, uh, outside of that, I'm looking forward to doing this year's uh, College Baseball Hall of Fame induction. Yeah, I recommend anyone, um, you know, uh, just take a look at what's on the website. I mean, like I said, I, I find myself, uh, you know, coming back to, to Robert's site two, three times a year just to kind of look at the uh, the images again because they're so striking and, and really just pretty cool. So if you're a college baseball nerd like myself or, or just a fan of a specific program, particularly if you, you're a fan of a program that you know you have Hall of Famers, uh, you know, go check that out because I think you're going to find uh, – some pretty cool stuff there, so be sure to visit adamfineartist.com, uh, one of my favorite URLs on the entire internet, uh, to check out all of Robert's fine work. Uh, Robert, it's been an absolute delight to talk to you. I, I really appreciate your time. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and uh, you know, if you have an idea, somebody has an idea of something that they would like done, I, I paint. That's what I love to do. So you may have an idea I'd never thought of. Uh, one of your listeners, uh, I would love to talk to them about it. Create something entirely new. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Our thanks once again to Robert Hurst for joining us today. That was uh, the most fun I've had recording any of these podcasts. I just had a lot of fun getting to know Robert and uh, learning about his journey in the world of art and and how he got involved in in college baseball at work on top of everything else. Some fantastic Austin food recommendations to top it all off. So had a whole lot of fun uh, talking to Robert. Hope you enjoyed it as well. Check out all of his work at adamfineartist.com. That'll do it for this edition of the College Baseball Central podcast. Head on over to collegebaseballcentral.com for all of our continuing coverage of the college baseball offseason, both in podcast and in written form. You can follow me on Twitter at JoeOnSports. That's Joe underscore on underscore sports. You can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and the TuneIn app. And no matter where you listen to our show first, be sure you're subscribed and do so if you aren't already, but also consider leaving us a rating and review. As we continue to try to grow the show, your positive ratings and reviews are crucial as we try to climb those recommended podcast lists. Finally, you can get in touch with the show via email at collegebaseballcentralpodcast at gmail.com. Once again, that's collegebaseballcentralpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for listening, everyone.